welcome to the show. Yeah. SEC Football Live, already in progress. <laughs> Aaron Dugan, Michael Bratton, um, Braden Gall here, uh, all across all the Twitters and the YouTubes, of course. That SEC Podcast, 440 Sports. We do appreciate you guys joining us each and every Tuesday right here on SEC Football Live. You can check it out on podcast form as well if you want to listen to it later on. Jump into the comment section as we do appreciate each and every one of you guys for making this show uh, far more interesting than just the three of us. You guys get in here and you turn it into a shit show, and we love that. So uh, thank you, guys. I, I want We've got a lot of stuff to get to today on, on the program. Uh, we've got uh, a Vanderbilt football game. An SEC football game is taking place. We're going to get into some of the, our favorite, most undervalued, underrated players in basically the entire conference that are going to dictate some outcomes of games this year. Uh, quarterbacks and non-quarterbacks. we got to give some non-quarterbacks some love as well. Speaking of quarterbacks, Georgia has named there. So we talked about coordinators last week on the show and, and offenses in the blend. I think we'll get, we didn't talk much about Mike Bobo and Carson Beck and Georgia. So we'll get a little bit into that uh, this today as well. Uh, but first I just want to say college football is back folks. How we feeling? Welcome back to our lovely sport. Sneaks up every time. <laughs> yeah. And what a slate week one. I think the uh, ESPN game is, what is it? UMass, New Mexico state. Uh, yeah. Throw out the records. Uh, listen, if you want to watch Notre Dame, if you want to watch USC, I'm not sure if you can get USC in, in the Southeast, but really it's all about SEC Network Vanderbilt, baby. Uh, hosting Hawaii, we'll get to some of our best bets, but I just think it's it's been hot as shit. Oh my God. <laughs> here, here in Nashville. So it doesn't quite feel like football season yet, but I'm assuming there's a lot of y'all that listen in some other areas of the country that maybe the weather broke for you. I know the, the what is it, the the heat dome or the the what is what is it called the thing that's like drifting across our country right now i don't know i i hope somebody out there in the sec area has like a saturday morning this saturday that that smells and feels like football where the weather breaks and it's like 73 and sunny little bright sunshine you know a nice cold beer maybe a bloody mary whatever your drink of choice is i hope I hope it feels like football somewhere for somebody in the sec this this weekend it will not be vandy in hawaii because the high is 99 Damn. Well, how, how do you guys feel about Stadium Gate? Because they're pissed off for me for sharing this photo here. Oh, and how I, dare you? I mean, I think it looks... I was trying to point out how nice the end zone looks. It looks finished. It looks ready for football. Um, I didn't I didn't even hardly notice the construction. Uh, so, first of all, that fence looks dangerously close to the field if someone's going to lay out and catch a touchdown pass. It does. Uh, but Aaron, this is your alma mater. I was up there in the, when I went to practice, I, you park in the parking garage. that's like 10 stories tall and you can mm -hmm. look down into it. Yep. I also took some photos as well. Uh, Hawaii at Vanderbilt. We'll get right into it. Vandy minus 17 and a half, 7:30 PM Eastern, Eastern time, 6:30, of course, uh, sec network there. And I think there actually is some really interesting stuff to watch for Vanderbilt, especially for those of us who are obsessed with college football. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this game. But what are we looking forward to seeing aside from what does it look like when you play football in a stadium that's two thirds built? Well, Mike, do you want to pick on us before yeah, I talk? According to my sources, Vanderbilt hits more in camp than any SEC team. That's breaking news there. So, uh, physical matchup here. I, no, I really just pick. want to see. I want to see Vanderbilt's defense take that step because. You know, I thought that's what we were getting with Clark Lee. And I realized the state of the roster he took over. It's not like he could just snap his fingers and we'd have a great defense, but they've been downright pathetic uh, for virtually the entire tenure. So I just don't want to see him to be pathetic anymore. I, I want him to see 
that take that next step. And I think Hawaii is a great opponent to do it against uh, here in Nashville, home game. You don't, I'm not sitting here saying you got to shut everybody out right out the gate, but there's a real opportunity, I think, to gain some confidence on the defensive side of the ball. And I, that's what I will be looking for from Vanderbilt in this game and really the first month of the season. I mean, it can't really be probably more of a discrepancy between what we saw last year with there being a 53, what is it, 60, was 63 to 10 um, at Hawaii last year. But the, I definitely think it's going to be closer. I, I think that 17 and a half point spread. I mean, I don't know. What would you guys take in that? I, I would be, I think that's about right. I would maybe even take, ooh. I mean, I could see Vanderbilt about winning by three touchdowns I, I, in this game. I, I'd lay the points. I think I mean I know Hawaii is going to be better in year two under Timmy Chang, but I'd lay the points. I think your 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 point about what you want to see is important because while the defense plays extremely hard and they fly to the football in every play, even if they're giving up fifty six points and are down by forty, they play really really hard, which is a great compliment to the team. I they they need to make some like their biggest issue is they just don't have the dudes in the front seven to hold up against SEC teams. I, I am more interested in watching the offense because I think AJ Swan will get to this. I think is one of the more underrated players in the country. Will she or in the conference. I think Will Shepard is, is an all SEC caliber receiver. He was at media days. He's a really good player. They, they've got some really nice depth at wide receiver. They really like their receiver room and some young players are going to play a lot in this game. So I'm fascinated to watch the offense. I think that's the more interesting thing to watch in this game is how good does the passing game look with AJ Swan starting his first game one because he started down the stretch last year. But I think the more important thing is what you said, Michael, which is 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 the defense needs some confidence because the defense couldn't bust a grape as they say uh last year and they need to that that side of the ball is the is the furthest from being SEC quality. So I I think that confidence will come too if they can put some con, like consistent pressure on Hawaii on Hawaii's offense and their quarterback. Is it Shager? Is that how you say it? Who? Hawaii's quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was Shager. I was, I was making it. sure it wasn't Shager. Yeah. Um, and just Shager. Shager. Being, <laughs> that would be like much more regal, wouldn't it? Shager. Um, but just being able to put some consistent pressure on them. Hawaii's going to want to throw the ball. And if Vanderbilt can keep that pressure high, um, that's it's just not going to work the whole game. And they've got, you know, their running back, uh, Hines, is very, you know, can really produce and, you know, get the ball moving. But that's just not enough if he's one of your only real offensive weapons that's a difference maker. I just think that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody to carry the ball that much. Look at this Hawaii breakdown, Dukes. I like it. Breaking, breaking down the Hawaii offense. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> prediction, uh, Mike Wright scores more touchdowns than Vanderbilt. I Like, for the season, I don't think that's a thing that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. AJ Swan's pretty good. Mike Wright couldn't win the job. From AJ Swan, although Mike Wright will be used in a very interesting way by Mississippi State this year, so we shall see what it looks like to have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. I thought that was a interesting camp development. Um, all right, here's my only question: over three, over under three and a half wins for Vanderbilt. Where are you guys going? I'm taking the over. over. I'm taking the over. Okay, we all agree. All right, Vandy minus seventeen and a half at home against Hawaii Saturday night. Where'd you got? I'll take. Vandy, of course, man. Come on, man. They beat him by like 60 last year, and Vanderbilt's better, I think. So what I do got to say one thing, though, Brady. I mean, I guess credit, I, I'm a little bit of a troll myself, but this damn guy, I don't even know. I think I blocked him long ago, but he has got the damn world convinced that Vanderbilt's playing in a high school stadium this year, and I can't believe there's this many damn people that just 
they read a tweet and they take it as factual information. People really are think you, that. Are you are you really surprised that people read a tweet? I mean, and look take at our comments. They're like they're playing a, they're playing in a high school. I mean, this is every well, I thought, time I, thought I talk most... about Vanderbilt. They they're, they're like, what high school stadium is it? Lipscomb. I thought it was Could a they joke. Go to Liberty. No, they all think they're playing in a high school stadium just because of one troll account said it. Oh. Guys, the endowment is four and a half billion dollars. <laughs> they're not going to play in a high school stadium. They'd be yeah, more yeah. likely to play in one of the pro stadiums than a high also, school stadium. Even, yeah. Also, even without the end zone, it's still almost 30,000 seats, which is still 10 times the size of almost every high school stadium in Tennessee. Uh, but, but Mike, I, I am shocked that you think people are easily convinced on the internet of stupid shit. Like, what are you talking about? That's like the entire just, internet. But it's just a random Twitter account that people <laughs> believe. They'd be I mean, more likely to get the engineering students out there to finish it on time than um, the, play in a high most, school stadium. The most downloaded song in, in all of <laughs> in all of the world right now is just some random thing that was made up by some guy. So I, I don't know. I'm not surprised by the internet ruining people's uh, <laughs> sense of reality. So I think I think I internet is Fair undefeated. Enough. The the internet is totally undefeated. Uh, you can't beat the internet. It's impossible. Uh, okay, uh, quickly before we get into our favorite sort of underrated players that we think can have an impact on championship races and just are going to be superstars by the end of the season. Um, we'll do quarterbacks. We'll do non-quarterbacks. Uh, I, I might have cheated guys and done a few position groups. I don't know if that counts, but okay. we'll throw a few out at it you guys. It is cheating, but we'll, we'll allow it. I, I want to get into, well, it, you know, it's the SEC. We all, we, we all kind of, there's the money under the table all the time. Carson Beck is the starting quarterback. I want this is sort of a two or three part question, and I want you guys to really explore the studio space on this. And that is going from Todd Munkin to Mike Bobo. Um, what do you got there from Barry? You, <laughs> Mike, you can do do wrong in my book after what did it say? Uh, taking off Jim off, in Tuscaloosa, pissed off Jim from Tuscaloosa. Here's the question Does Jim hate you more, or does Jim hate me more? Because when I host the Fine Bomb show, he calls in to get me fired. He tries to get me fired from ESPN. I don't know. Who does yeah. he hate more? Oh, definitely you. I, th I think that's an easy <laughs> answer for most people. Wow. Aaron, do you agree? No comment. <laughs> I'll plead the fifth on that. All right. All right, you assholes. Uh, okay, Georgia. Look, they are. we know the, the personnel. Like we, Best offensive line in America, best receiving core in America, best tight ends in America. The running back room is a little banged up, but you know, still the envy of most teams in college football. Carson Beck named the starter. Mike Bobo is, you know, <laughs> this is deja vu all over again. I think he got a really bad rap by Georgia fans a long time ago. His offenses when he left before he left were amongst the best offenses in all of college football from an efficiency standpoint. It is going to be different than Todd Munkin. So just expectations is Carson Beck challenged? What do we think of the offensive changes? Are there going to be any changes? Do they throw the ball more? What do you guys think of the Carson Beck-Mike Bobo marriage in Athens? I mean, I think that that combination makes sense with Carson Beck and his skill set and, you know, his ability to pass from the pocket and how that matches up with Bobo's style. Yeah, that's absolutely I mean, true. There you go. There's Carson Beck's uh, numbers there from Barry. And I, I just like, this is kind of off top. This isn't off topic, but I just, I think... Just to throw this in here, it's a little bit of a le less tangible X's and O's point, but what Carson Beck didn't have the easiest road to get here. He was faced with like a lot of adversity, and I, I think that him playing under Stetson, who was also not was not born a like elite college quarterback, and had no we had no idea how far he would get. I definitely think that you know the ability to 
you know, maybe at least fill that role by somebody who we didn't necessarily expect to do what he did. It's like a good stepping stone for him. Hell, I don't think it matters because I don't know if anyone's going to score 20 points on Georgia this year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how good do they have to be? I I don't think. That's a good question. I think that's, I don't know if you consider this a problem or not, but I don't know if they're really going to get tested till the SEC championship till the playoff. And what happens when they are tested, when they're, when they're putting a third and long and Carson's got to make a play to, to win the game. Can it's a good point. Like replicating the situation is like damn near impossible. They're not challenged all the way up to the end. And sometimes that isn't the best order of events for a team. Sometimes it's better to get challenged early in the season, be able to put your ducks back in a row and, you know, not lose again. So valid valid point. And I agree with your point, Mike, if they're up by, if they win 38 to 17 every game, how how do we know what Carson Beck does? Because again, what made Stetson Bennett special was literally in that situation, he was the dude. Yeah. Missouri game on the road, the dude. Ohio State game trailing in the fourth quarter, the dude. Like Alabama in the championship game, the dude. Like he made he made the play when the moment needed him to make the play, and we just don't we don't know that about Carson Beck. I I think I think the weaponry is better even around the quarterback this year in terms of the passing game. So is Carson Beck? I, now here's the other thing: Carson Beck is not some like walk on that went to junior college no i mean that's a good this, point i didn't this mean was to compare four, him in that sense no but. no I, and I, I i didn't think you were but this is a big time four-star recruit that came right. through the program has sat and waited his turn like if you're betting on the heisman trophy which is not necessarily a smart thing to do but if you are <laughs> but if you are betting on the heisman trophy he would be the only player i think i would bet on in the sec because you're going to get value he's going to be a lower ranked player in terms of the odds you're going to get good value and he's got if he's the star quarterback for the number one team in the nation, he's going to get votes. So I, I think Carson the question Banks is your Heisman front runner from I, the SEC. No, that's not what I said. I said he's your best. Is that, is he's your what, best bet. That, Do you not understand? He said he's wagering? one of the only. He said. I think he said he's one of the only guys. I think you said that's he's one of the only bet. guys that you. <laughs> you don't. You don't Carson bet on the Beck? fucking favorite. You don't bet on the favorite. You bet on the guy that gives you. Va- Do you not know how wagering works? You get you, you bet on. I mean, like Jane Daniels is not the favorite. He he's that's a significantly better bet than Carson Beck. But his odds think, are way I think worse. Joe than Milton Carson is, Beck. A, is a better bet. Milton would be because, Milton would be Milton would be good, but that because would if, require if Tennessee be- is good, he he he'll have to be outstanding. I think, which I don't think if, he is. But but if Georgia's not perfect, like. Stetson Bennett finished ahead of Hendon Hooker in the Heisman. What are we talking about? Just saying, like, Joe Milton's ceiling is higher in terms of, like, exceeding expectations, whereas everyone's, like, Georgia fans are hoping to go for three in a row, and so Carson Beck isn't damn near perfect. It's going to be – it's a lot of pressure to just be perfect or a dis- or disappointing. Look, I think – I'm not betting on it. I'm not really – Look, look, look if, bet when you – Carson Beck. Jane Daniels is number two, I believe, in the Heisman right now, like plus 900. Carson Beck gives you plus 3,000. It's not a matter of who you actually think is better. It's about finding value on the wager board. Like, you don't wager on uh, Georgia to win the national championship because they're like minus 300. Like, you'd have to put down 100 bucks to, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not yeah, about yeah, who I, I don't, I'm not picking Carson Beck to win it. I'm saying if you're trying to find value on the board, I, I agree with you. Milton is a very good value play. I don't know how Milton does better than Hooker, though. Because Hooker, I think incorrectly, finished fifth. I think he should have finished second last year. I voted him second on my ballot as a voter. I put him number two. I thought Hendon Hooker belonged at number two. And so I don't what know how Milton's. 
For those of you just I, joining Junkins us, is a, Junkins is a good play. This is yeah. sports wagering 101 for dummies. For those of you just joining <laughs> I, I don't, us, yeah, I don't. We're like, trying I, to teach ourselves how to bet on sports <laughs> in real time. <laughs> uh, hang on, scroll back up there because somebody said I said something interesting, which is is important to me. Brain, uh, my name. <laughs> Brain, that was an interesting take on the world's number one song right now. Are you? Are you not in agreement with the lyrics? Do tell. No, actually, I love the song. Oh, I think the song's. I think the song's great. Uh, I think. I think it's. I think it's been uh, weaponized. And he, the point is, is he came out of nowhere. It was. It was. He, he was a, a a song that nobody's ever heard of. Nobody's ever heard of the athlete. Whatever. Um, oh, Carter, if, don't worry. If you are, <laughs> if you are betting on the Heisman, I think Carson Beck is a smart value play. If you want to throw five bucks down on somebody, because. The numbers are going to be there. The wins are going to be there. George is going to be likely undefeated. It doesn't mean he's deserving. It doesn't mean he's going to win it. It's just a smart bet. That's all. That's mm. all. That's all it is. And do we even know if he'll be the starting quarterback by the end of the year? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I would. I would. I would think that he will. Yeah, I do too. I, but I, I want to go back to your point about being challenged, though, because I think that's the more interesting part of the Georgia conversation. There are really good teams on this schedule that would challenge most everybody else in college football. South Carolina, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn at home, Auburn on the road. Maybe you know, Mizzou. Mizzou as well. These are good football teams. I mean, Mizzou almost beat them last year. These are good football teams that could be anywhere between seven and nine wins that would largely challenge almost everybody in college football. But the schedule for Georgia sets up. So I guess the question is, where are they challenged? Nobody saw the Missouri game coming last year. So it's, I mean, I think Ole Miss is dangerous to go down in there and, and challenge them the week before, I believe they go to Knoxville outside of Tennessee at, at home. Where's the challenge? This? this is a point that I've tried to make and maybe I'm just trying to, you know, make uh, an issue where there's not one, but Will you throw a schedule up when you have a second, Mike. Yeah. Well, he's making, he was making a very sound. I point know, but I want to, I want to hear his too. point while, while he's, it, but it's not necessarily related to the schedule, but. When I, in my mind, when I started to see Alabama take a slide, and I realized it's, they've not, I'm not saying they're god awful or anything, but they needed to get receivers in there. They had to go to Ohio State. They had to go to Georgia. They needed help at left tackle. They had to go to Vanderbilt. They needed a running back. They had to go to Georgia Tech. I mean, that is not a sign of a team at the top of the, of college football. That that's a sign to me, of development issues. And certainly I'm not suggesting that Georgia's got this huge issue, but receiver is a, one of the most important positions in the game of college football now. And what did they have to do? They had to go to Missouri. They had to go to Mississippi State. And I realize, you know, it's not like they're asking Ra Ra Thomas and, and Dominic Lovett to carry the football team. But I think that is something that is maybe being overlooked to tell you that Georgia maybe may you know that was their big issue last year. They didn't have that explosive passing plays outside of a Brock Bowers making, you know, just incredible, incredible plays. Uh I know Arian Smith made one in the in the college football playoff and he's back, but I don't know. I'm a little I don't know. I, I'm seeing what happened to Bama a couple years ago. I'm wondering if that is all happening to Georgia. Cause again, I'm in full favor of players getting paid. I'm in I'm in Never have I ever said anything against NIL or paying the players. But also, you got to think about what is the motivation for a Dominique Lovett and a Ra Ra Thomas once they have gotten paid and they're wearing that G like they're the defending champs, but they've not done anything, not at, not at an elite level. 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I may be just be rambling here, but that is a, that's a red flag to me that Georgia had to go to the portal to get two of these receivers. Now, maybe they're just huge additions and they just kill everybody, but that's what we thought about Jermaine Burton going to Alabama. And it, it didn't quite work for uh, the Crimson Tide. Can it be, can it be like a little bit of everything? Like I, I think taking yeah. Jameer Gibbs, for example, is the guy you're talking about from Georgia tech, who was a four-star big time recruit, huge recruit for Georgia tech who landed him and clearly an NFL caliber player. Like this is a guy who got drafted in the top 15. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's different than taking the Vanderbilt left tackle. Like, I think that, I think those are two different things. I love it was a top 10 sec receiver last year at Missouri with no quarterback. And I think he wanted to play at a higher, at a higher level. I, I'm not as sure about Ra Ra. I think it's case by case basis. I mean, Lad McConkey's a pretty good player. <laughs> like I'm not worried about, I mean, they still have the best tight end. My point is, Georgia ever. didn't have to do that the last two years. So well, it's just interesting to me that they're having to do that now. That's like, it's it's definitely like something you have to observe. You just don't know. It's like, is it, when we see what happens, is it going to be, you know, the cause are just correlated? I mean, I think the transfer portal and having to go there for some players that you're seeing really quickly, not people that are being pulled out of the transfer portal to sit and learn underneath the like current starting lineup, those guys. If they, Georgia didn't have the system that it had, which is what we're used to seeing with Alabama, and you don't, I don't like to say plug and play because I think that really discredits a lot of the talent that you see put into these positions and being like, oh, well, anyone would work in that system. And that's just like simply not true. But the structure that Georgia has, I think, does allow them to quote plug and play, plug and play for lack of better words, transfers into their system efficiently more quickly. I mean, who's got a so I, I think two things can be true, Mike. You could say, hey, I'm, I'm I think this is kind of weird. They haven't done this before. Yeah. Which are, is these, are these guys going to be automatic and, and also say, could it hey, work? They're, the, they're still the number one team in the nation. And then also a third thing could be true, which is I don't think they're going to win the national championship this year. Three peating mm-hmm. is just that hard. Complacency with 18 to 22 year olds is just a natural force that's very difficult to fight. It's what makes Saban great. It's what makes all great coaches great. Is, is being able to get the player to compete against themselves. I mean, that that is the goal, is not to compete against anybody else. It's to compete against yourself. I will also say ask you guys, though, in outside of maybe Ohio State, here's Bo says, Georgia will lose to either South Carolina, Tennessee, Auburn, or Kentucky. That's a lot of teams. That's like a third of their schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, they could lose half of them. I do so, think those are the best teams they're playing. I, I would put Ole Miss in there instead of South Carolina. I think Ole Miss is more dangerous late in the year. Uh, I, I think... Here's my question. Who's got a better receiving core if you include tight ends? Who's got better pass catchers in America outside of Ohio State? I think Tennessee might be the only one in the conference that I would say, you know, three, four receivers, two tight ends. If you start talking six guys who can catch passes, there's nobody better than Georgia, in my opinion. What about A&M? It's not bad. It's pretty good. Smith, Stewart. I Nobody like Brock Bowers, though. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I still we're going to get to underrated players. I still think Brock Bowers counts like first team All-American first tight end off the board in the draft. Everybody talks. Everybody knows who he is, but nobody talks about how good he is. Yeah. And I think just yeah, that I I totally agree. I just think that even though everyone knows his name and he's, you know, he's a well-known name, it's just he can make a difference that sometimes you only give that amount of of uh like real credibility and like difference making potential to uh, someone that you're seeing the ball with like constantly. Like we were used to seeing yeah. running backs, like star running backs and quarterbacks make that kind of a difference, but he's definitely like brought a new air to tight end. Mike, can I pick Georgia to lose in the playoff, but not because they had to go to the transfer portal for receivers? 
Can I say, can, is that fair? Uh, yeah. Well, you have to give a reason why. I, I kind of have. Like, I think it's just impossible to three-peat. Nobody's ever done it in the in since integration for a reason. Um, complacency, battling your own, you know, level of expectation. I just think it's, I think it's really hard. I just think it's. It's very hard. Nobody's ever done it for a reason. The greatest of all time have never done it. I just think it's. Is it possible that this is the greatest dynasty of all time in modern college football history? Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested to see how they come out because when they beat the hell out of Oregon last year in the opener, it was like, oh Jesus, they're just <laughs> they're just as good. You know what I mean? Yeah. If not better. Uh, now they don't have that marquee game, obviously, but so I don't really know if we'll see that against the competition they're playing. But if they're you know if they're up by 50 points at halftime in both games, maybe. Maybe we get there, and, and we'll see what, how they look against South Carolina. But I don't know. I, I think they're one of the most interesting teams right out the gate because it could go that way, or they could just be – I could see a scenario where they just completely overlook these teams. What happens if they destroy South Carolina? Because that's not – like, that's at home. It's their first real football team that they're going to play. I mean, mm-hmm. have we learned when, – when do we learn, though? Is it – again, is it – I think Auburn's the game we've all circled and said this is when we're going to learn. And if they go down to the Plains – and Carson Beck is just slinging it all over the place, and they dominate Auburn. I think it's Auburn. a Kentucky game. That's okay. what I think. Because I think Kentucky will be undefeated. I think Kentucky will be very good this year. I think Kentucky is a good way to measure where your team is because it's solid. Like, there's still, like, holes in some of the other teams that we're talking about. Like, Auburn, we don't totally know what we think we'll expect, and we know that we expect it to be better than it has been, but there's still question marks around Auburn. I think Tennessee – I mean, sorry, I think Kentucky, even if they are not a team that we expect to go 11 and one, they're a really good gauge of where you are because they're solid. Yeah. Ken, Ken says this is a good point. Georgia plays Tennessee after the run of the Florida, the cocktail party, which is always weird. Yep. Missouri and Ole Miss right before going to Knoxville. I, I think everybody knows the toughest game on the schedule is at Tennessee. Like totally. that, that's that's obviously the most difficult schedule. But I think Tennessee to Mike, Martin, you're talking about. <laughs> to your original the point, Skyhawk. though, is like, what happens if that is the toughest game that they play all season? And Carson Beck has not been forced to make a third and eight throw down by three, the way mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett continually delivered. We just, we don't know. Like, this is the beauty of college football is we just don't know. Until we actually see it, we're not sure how it's going to work out. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see. Defensively, I mean, also, Georgia, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, very. I mean, I think, are we, so for Tennessee, in that game specifically, um, what do you guys think has to happen for that hasn't that didn't happen last year um, or the year before or historically with this matchup? What has happened for Tennessee that could make a difference besides like not settling for field goals, which is they kind of what the, we they saw. Gotta run, they got to run. They got to run the football. There's Convert. no Jalen Carter for Georgia, so that's. But that I don't helps. know how good te- I don't know how good Tennessee's offensive line is either. So yeah, yeah. convert on third down, like stay, find a way to stay on the field. Um, I don't know if y'all had anything else that you're like, this is what like, has to happen for that. I, so it's weird. And th- we talked about this last week on the show and I caught some heat from you guys about this. And some of the, the audience members, like it's weird. Like the, you, the formula to beat Georgia is like Ohio state's formula to, to, to have a superstar quarterback and elite receivers and to try to sling it all over the yard, the way Bryce young did in the sec title game two years ago. And, and so like, that's kind of the formula. Tennessee had a lot of those pieces last year. But Tennessee's offense plays off of the run, and Georgia stops the run all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. But I couldn't you also say Missouri? I mean that they clearly didn't have that, and they nearly knocked them off. I mean because they they won on the line of line of scrimmage. 
and and that's the defensive side, right? Like, I, I this is going to sound rude to Missouri, and I don't mean to be rude to Missouri. That's also clearly Georgia overlooking them, right? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, no one's expecting it. You're a 25-point favorite. You go up to Columbia. It's a little cooler than you thought. Missouri's defense is better <laughs> than you thought. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you clearly weren't focused, and then you kind of wake up in the second half, right? Right. Maybe they were... Maybe they were pulling I mean, Johnny Manziel the night before. Who in, knows? In, no, in no way can you compare Missouri's roster to Georgia's roster last year. Like, in no world can you do but that. But they out-physicaled them, you know? And that was it, it that did. was the key to that game. Does Tennessee have as good a defense this year as Missouri did last year? Mm, I would probably say no, but I, th- I think it'll be better than it was last year. I think that's possible. Uh, breaking parallels. Tennessee won't run the ball. No one has really run the ball in Georgia for over four years. That's the problem. <laughs> no, no one has been able to do that. Uh, we shall see. Okay. Do you guys want to get into some, is there any, any do we want to make any final, we can do this next week on the show and make some final picks and proclamations, but if you yeah, guys hasn't have anything, we can save it for next week. Uh, my instinct is Georgia goes undefeated, but doesn't win the national championship goes undefeated in the regular season and doesn't win the national championship. That's my instinct. But seven and five. That's what I'm going. Here we go. There we go. Bama finishes fourth in the West. Georgia seven and five. Uh, at uh, against the spread. Michael W. Brent. I think okay. a couple of those teams that do have the formula to beat Georgia will be teams that Georgia doesn't see obviously until the postseason, which yeah. they can yeah. you know win that game against Tennessee in like a very outright fashion. Um, maybe we'll feel otherwise after that last game before moving or before the ten, after the Tennessee game moving into the postseason. But there's teams that they will only see from the West uh, once they get through the regular yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the beauty of college football is right now, we think we know what Ole Miss is. We think we know what Tennessee could be. We think we, we, we all kind of like Kentucky. You know, we, we all kind of like this team and that team. We think this team is going to be good at this and bad at that. And then by the time the game gets around, sometimes it's totally freaking different. So, uh, well, speaking of, of that, of, I did want to ask you guys real quick, Auburn, I would be equally unsurprised if they won five games as I would if they won 10. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what the hell Auburn will be because of all would, the transfers and, and, and the coaching change. I'd be more surprised about 10, but yeah. I agree with you that I don't know what to expect. If you told me five or nine, I might say... I might still go five, but if you said five or eight, I'd be eight. like totally dead even. Me too. It, anything between five and eight would be completely even. That's all I would say. Like, and I think it will be above five. But I, I think so here. too. I was gonna say who's who's is that? Is that Aaron or Mike? That's, <laughs> Not that's me. Kirby. That's Kirby over here. Kirby, Kirby? your dog, your dog Kirby. <laughs> Name him after the Georgia Bulldogs head football coach. <laughs> Man, you're losing your vol card there, big guy. For real. <laughs> Um, I, I, I like, I think Auburn's going to be better because he freeze always makes teams better. I think the lines of scrimmage are still a question, but I think they're going to win a couple of games because Hugh freeze is going to out scheme some folks. I, I don't know what to make of the quarterback situation. I think that is, I, I don't think Peyton Thorne is the guy that maximizes the offense, but I think he might be the, their best option this year. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. They are the new LSU hey, for this? me. How about this? They are going to beat at least one, if not two teams they're not supposed to. Yeah. It might, they be Bama, always... might be Bama at the end of the year, frankly. I feel like they always, except for like a little bit of the, in the in the depths of the Brian Harson dumpster fire, as we called it, um, 
I feel like they almost always pulled off a couple that they shouldn't, but I feel like under him, it was maybe only one. They, I mean, they, they won the Missouri game because Missouri like dropped the football, literally <laughs> dropped the football yeah. going across the goal line and then like missed a field goal. Uh, I think they're going to beat somebody. I mean, somebody legit, like they're going to beat somebody. They play Georgia. They play Bama. They play LSU. We're talking top 10 teams. I think they get one of those three. How about that? The funniest thing about that Auburn Missouri game was Drink was angling to get that Auburn job, and he lost it when yep. that damn guy dropped the ball. <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> come on, man, <laughs> come on, man. He was he was literally walking into the end zone to to win the game, and he yep. just uh, oh, maybe he knew, maybe he right. knew. He was like, "To hell with you, Drink." <laughs> you absolutely hate to see it. Oh man, hate to see it. Okay, uh, so main topic on the show today, sort of break. It's it's combination of our favorite players who don't get enough run, who don't get enough national attention, who don't get talked about enough that are going to have a major impact on the championship races and the divisions and how teams fare this year. And so it's part breakout player, part underrated player, just a general conversation. We're going to throw a lot of different names at you guys. Uh, I, I've written down a lot of different stuff here. So we'll do quarterbacks. We'll do non-quarterbacks. Uh, yep. I'll let I'll let you guys go first on quarterback. I want to go first on non-quarterback. So I'll let That's you guys fair. go. I'll let you guys go first on on the quarterback. So take it away, boys and girls. Mike, you're me. As long uh, as you don't say Caleb Williams, we won't fight. Yeah, go. I'll let you go. Okay. Um, I went with Caleb Williams just because I think that the this situation- is in the SEC, Aaron. What? <laughs> in the SEC. Oh, I thought it was all over the country because they are affecting each how other. Ta- how difference can Caleb Williams difference makers to the SEC? Oh man, I thought the- we were doing nationwide. I was like, oh, this is expansive. I love this for us. <laughs> I was Aaron, like, how- the options but, are endless. But how can the reigning Heisman Trophy winner be underrated? <laughs> well, it wasn't just underrated; it was difference makers at quarterback. Oh man, I thought we were he going nationwide. Okay, well, we might be talking about Caleb Williams well, by the end of the season. So, I mean, I guess I'd have to go Jane Daniels, but I think it's hard to have a underrated like the the quarter quarterback is such a important position. It's a little bit hard to like fly under the radar with like uh, difference makers. I mean, Jaden Daniels, I think with like how low his turnover rate was, um, and just what he's able to do with like ball security his ability to make decisions quickly on the field. I think especially with like a team that's still trying to like lock it all up and get it together. That's really important. Um, But it also says a lot about him because when you do have a team that's still on the up and up, like LSU is right now to have a quarterback that the coaching staff trusts enough to just uh, make decisions in real time says a lot about him. Um, It's just hard to call him underrated because we know how talented he is or difference maker and underrated. I know are different. Um, And then just, like, you know, becoming the sole signal caller and then also, you know, rushing for a thousand yards just shows that no matter if, you know, if the passing, if passing a team's passing defense is just exceptional, he's like, okay, well, watch me run. And I think for that reason, he makes the most sense. Like in in this particular conversation, since we are staying on topic, considering this is an SEC podcast, you know, I just went with it though. I was like, okay, this sounds fun. But yeah, I, go, I want Jane Daniels on the quarterback. Well, yeah, I guess I should have rephrased it a little bit better, but kind of the, the way I was thinking, like this time last year, outside of diehard recruiting people, who would have known the name Harold Perkins? And he impacted LSU, and he really impacted the SEC race. He made some big-time plays 
for mo most of the season, particularly in that Alabama game. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. And not that this guy is by any means under the radar, but when we're talking impacting the upcoming season and the races, again, not necessarily saying that his team is going to win it all or anything, but I think he could derail a season or maybe be the difference in his team winning the division and maybe the SEC, but I got to go Nico. And I'm going there because wow. all the people, maybe they're all the people that are doubting Joe Milton, they may be 100% correct. And I don't think we'll really know anything about Joe Milton and how far he really came. They can say whatever they want. I've, I've heard this many times before. You know, they were hyping him up years ago. Michigan hyped him up years ago. And I think he could be a better player. I'm not completely doubting him. But we cannot judge him until week three of the season when they play at Florida. They should beat the hell out of Florida. I don't, I don't care how good Florida is, but there's no guarantees. And that's a house of horror for Tennessee. They haven't won down there since, what was it, 2003. I was in college at, if he, at the University of Tennessee the last time they won. If he has an embarrassing performance and, the, and Tennessee loses, this is going to start early. So the way I'm looking at it, Nico, again, I'm not saying he should be the starter right now. I think that's foolish, but... I think by the end of the year, particularly you're looking at this Georgia matchup, you ask back to what you said, Braden, what, how do you beat Georgia? You got to have an elite, out-of-the-world quarterback, yep. and yep. maybe Nico's that. Maybe he costs Alabama the West. Maybe he costs Georgia a chance to go. If, if Georgia goes 11-1 and and loses at Tennessee, they're not making the college football playoff unless they still won the East and win the SEC, then they'll, they can make it. But I, if they lose to Tennessee and they do not win the East, they are not going to the college football playoff. But how, how is that possible if they're so bad that they have to switch quarterbacks? Like that's my, I, I agree with, with Nico's upside that when mm -hmm. he does realize his potential, that's what elevates Tennessee to the next level. Because I, I, didn't that happen with Clemson, with Kelly Bryant? And then he lost the job and insert Trevor Lawrence and they I, won the national championship? I, I think comparing Nico Yamaleava to Trevor Lawrence as a true freshman is a breach. I mean, they're virtually the same graded prospect. Alabama wanted him. Georgia wanted him. This is Josh Heupel, quarterback, friendly system, got all the weapons in the world. It's still the same team. Insert a, a quarterback. These quarterbacks come in yeah, more ready I, for the college game than, than they ever have before. And – Hey, Trevor Lawrence wasn't Trevor Lawrence till he actually got it done, you know. So, I guess that, I, that, that's kind of why I'm I'm saying Nico. So, I, first of all, I think that's the right exercise here, right? Like somebody said, Connor Wigman and, and Evan Stewart, and I will say it's very difficult sometimes to know because we're inside of it all the time, mm -hmm. and we're talking about it all the time, and we are reading about it and writing about it, and you know, it's hard to know like who counts kind of as an under the radar sort of breakout player. Like I would say nationally, no one knows the name Evan Stewart. Like I would say nationally, no, nobody sec football fans know who that is. Recruiting fans definitely know who that is. And we all think he's about to break out. I think everybody in, in recruiting and in the sec knows who Nico is. I just don't, I think to me, the formula, like I, I don't think anyone is the same as Trevor Lawrence. I don't think the Tennessee roster is the same as Clemson's roster. And I, I think so. I think there's some things that aren't the same, but I also don't know. How, like, I think Joe Milton's going to have a pretty good year. I don't think it's better than Hendon I Hooker. I thought you hated him. <laughs> I don't think it's better than Hendon Hooker, but I think he's going to have a good season in part because I think the most underrated, one of the most underrated groups of players in the entire country is Tennessee's wide receivers. And it's not just Brew McCoy, it's Ramel Keaton, it's Squirrel White, and I think it's Deontay Thornton. They are going to have dudes everywhere. 
And so I think Milton's going to find a lot of open receivers a lot of the time in most games. I don't think he's good enough to beat Alabama on the road. But if you don't beat Alabama on the road or you lose to Florida on the road because Joe Milton wasn't good enough, you then can't come back and beat Georgia and still win the division if they're 11 and one. Like you have to win every other game still. So you see what I'm saying? Like the math doesn't line up in my head. Maybe it, maybe it does. Well, hell, I got LSU winning the SEC anyway. So what if Georgia yeah. loses to Tennessee and they lose to LSU in the Then they're out. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah then they're out. I, I think so. I want to ask you guys this because I think Devin Leary and Will Rogers are underrated. Like, I yeah. don't think, I don't think people talk about them enough. Like KJ Jefferson, Jaden Daniels, I think to some degree, but KJ gets a lot of credit for being the best quarterback in the conference. Fine. Rightly so. But I don't think people talk enough about if, if one of these quarterbacks to your point, Mike is going to totally destroy the race is Will Rogers and all that senior veteran leadership around him at Mississippi state good enough to win some games. They host Alabama, for example, like, are they good enough to win some games that totally screw up the entire conference schedule? I think it's possible. And our, and he got voted. He was fourth at media days, all sec quarterback, the leading passer in conference history in, in every category fourth. And, and Devin Leary wasn't even on all sec teams at Kentucky. Mm Mm-hmm. So are those guys underrated? I think nationally they are. I think in the conference they're not. But I would put those two names, and I'll go a, a tier down from that and go A.J. Swan as well. I think he's super underrated Yeah, in the, I mean, com- in the conference. On the na- on a national playing field, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I don't think there's any team in the SEC that is going to, you know, come back in for practice or like reviewing tape on a Sunday after Saturday game or a Monday morning meeting and overlook any of the people you just named. I think any opposing team is going to see them for exactly what they are. But I do agree like on a national playing field. Yes. Those names are, they are not talked about nearly enough, but it ain't the sec that's overlooking those guys, or at least I wouldn't be. I would I'll disagree with you on Will Rogers being underrated. I think he's properly rated and I get why Mississippi state, I mean, they're just going to support their guy regardless. But when you're throwing the ball 80% of the time and you start for three years. Oh, yeah. The numbers are inflated. You're going to have those. I mean, hell, every quarterback Mike Leach has had has got those numbers. But a lot of them don't start for three years. So you're saying fourth best. I I think that's about what he is, the fourth best in the SEC. And that makes you around the, in my mind, a top 10 quarterback in the country. So I think that's right where he is. I mean, I, I don't, right, I don't think he's underrated. I don't think he's overrated. I think that's kind of properly, but he's just I th- rated. I think you, <laughs> yeah, I think you nailed it with Devin Larry. I think that he's the one that is, that is underrated and they also host Alabama. So mm, that's true. Uh, yeah. he, maybe that's a, a matchup. They host Tennessee. They play mm-hmm. at Georgia. I mean, these are, the, these are the games where I think Devin Leary, if he, if he comes up and he plays as well as he can, they're I think they can beat all those teams, Georgia included. And so does the Kentucky coaching staff. So, again, I'm not crazy enough to say they'll beat all those teams and certainly not win in Athens, but that would not be like a complete stunner to me. Uh, how about Bo saying Max Johnson? I, that That's fascinating because uh, he is he in the sort of zeitgeist group think of the SEC summer. Like he's not a name that anyone has talked about at all. But it's all—it's again, it's like how how deep do you have to go to find the guy that's underrated? Like, I, I think A.J. Swan is better than what people talk about with him. I think Devin Leary is better than what people talk about with him. People talk a lot about Joe Milton because of the offense, so he's probably p- 
properly rated. I thought he might even be a touch overrated as the third team all SEC quarterback, but I think he's going to have great numbers. Spencer Rattler has talked about ad nauseum. Everybody talks about Spencer Rattler, and I think he's properly rated, <laughs> like kind of in the middle. Somebody's going to be an elite player that we don't know, whether that's Wigman or Carson Beck or Milrow or Jackson Dart. Like somebody's going to be really, really, really good. And I'll I'll lean Leary, and I might I might actually be coming around on Jackson Dart, but I don't. That feels dangerous. What's, why? At the accuracy. I need yeah, to see that's, it. Yeah, that was the main. Yeah. Oh, I'm it's saying, that. why are you coming around? Well, I mean, I think that offense is very good. I think Judkins is a, an elite weapon to lean on. I think he's he's had a whole year of starting, which Wigman, Beck, and Milrow haven't. Like, I just think there's a lot to like if he puts it together. Right. But if the if it's the largest word in the English language and. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. So there you go. I put it. I put Jackson yeah. Dart number three in my quarterback rankings this summer. And I, Ooh. So I think you're right on that one. Um. So here's. Let me ask you about. Like we talked about Brock Bowers for a second. I still don't think that his level of talent and ability at his position historically is appreciated nationally. I don't think nationally. Sure, he's first team All American. So hard to say he's underrated. But I don't. I think he he and Harold Perkins might be the best two football players on the like college football players on the planet. And I don't think we. I just don't think he's talked about in that way. Does that? Is that? Am I crazy I for saying that Brock Bowers is underrated? <laughs> I, I, well, no, because of how you're saying it. Uh, I think you know when you're when you can cause a team to rewrite or redistribute plays that they're calling and why around a certain position, I think you've done a lot. And just to think about how Brock Bowers actually changed that scheme. Um, and, you know, the playbook was redistributed to make sure that he was as big of a part of it that he needed to be. I mean, you've, you've definitely made a dent if you're doing that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you can say he's underrated. I just said, I, I think he's the best the Heisman bet on Georgia. And, and he, I think he's been the best offensive player back-to-back -back national champion. He's preseason first-team All-American. He's another one properly rated. I mean, he's going to be a top-five pick in the upcoming draft. If he he made a comeback, I don't think he would, but, uh, I mean, he'll be top-five, top-ten guaranteed. I, I think he'll be top-five. I think he's that – because as good as he is as a, a pass catcher, he's just as good as a, a run blocker. Is it but the – Is it the? Um, I don't think he gets enough talk. People don't talk about him. You think it's because – the position is underrated as a whole yes i think it's hard to it's hard to quantify what mike just said it's hard to quantify the value of somebody who catches like 52 passes for like 700 yards but like it's right. what he does after the catch it's what he does to manipulate defenses forcing coverages it's what he does in the running game it's hard to put a like it's easy to look at running backs and receivers and see their value whereas it's yeah. harder to see a guy who does everything and i also think to me Brock Bowers at his position is just better than everybody we've had at that position in a long time. That's mm -hmm. all. <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking about underrated players that God. may be unknown or not talked about proceeds to talk about preseason All-American <laughs> for reigning national champion. 100% valid. Does Look, people don't talk about him nationally the way they the way he should be. The same thing with Harold Perkins. People don't talk about him. Those those could be the best two players in the entire country, and people don't say that sentence out loud. Well, so we can talk like, about people that are known less than Brock Bowers now. All if right. I want well, to. Then, then let me do the the name that I wrote down for it, this exercise. It feels like Brock Bowers paid Braden an NIL to damn right to talk I'll, about him. 
I'll take money to talk about people. It's fine. Here's the name I wrote down for name that's undervalued that I think has a huge impact on the potential championship race that I think is not talked about in SEC circles or in national circles, but has a chance to be a superstar. Deion Walker, defensive lineman, Kentucky. Freshman All-American last year, 6'6", and could be the centerpiece of a Kentucky defensive line that could help them challenge-ish, I'm going to say, for second place in the East. This is a guy who had to be pulled out of practice this weekend. He was so good. He Mark Stoops had to take him off the field. <laughs> he was so dominant. I think Deion Walker is not talked about enough, is a rising superstar, big-time recruit, and as a true sophomore, could be one of the best defensive players in America this year. And I don't think anyone is talking about Deion Walker at Kentucky. I think the only problem with that is um, that they lost Justin Rogers next to him. And sometimes, this is not to discredit it, because everything you just said is accurate. But, you know, sometimes, particularly, I mean, who who offense is going to focus on last year? Are they going to focus on the freshman or are they going to focus on the stout nose guard that transferred to Auburn for who knows what reason, but mm. you know what I mean? Like, I think we all, that, know. <laughs> that, that is a, that is the only potential holdup there. But again, I, I don't think that discredits anything that he'll do, but I just think he would be even better. Obviously if he had Justin Rogers still next sure. to him. Yeah, I agree. But, but that's, doesn't a, that's he fit a good the, one. Doesn't he fit one. the exercise, right? Like, yeah, no, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. All right. What you guys got? Me next. Um, I went with the linebacker from LSU. Um, Spite, I think I'm saying it right. Omar Spites, correct? Anyone correct me now or forever yep, hold your Um, he is. I I see him being impactful as a player right out of the gate. Um, and I know that that position sometimes those defensive positions, unless you're, you know, a defensive end, like having those glorified like sack moments, you don't necessarily think about some of these defensive positions as. You know, they're just not those names aren't as much household names. Line guys never really get the credit and sometimes linebackers fall in that same category. I mean, his dad played for the Giants. Um, his brother was drafted at the Colts. They're just like an athletic. Wait, no, hold on. I have two people down here. Caleb Downs and Omar Spite. So that was Ooh, Caleb, Caleb Downs. Great call. His size as a linebacker. He's over six feet. He's 237 pounds. I'm reading some of this because I don't know all of these by by heart. But um, the. 85 tackles and 6.5 tackles for loss in his two seasons at Oregon. I think you can just see the numbers at an already elite program. It's not like he's coming from a smaller program. Like I wrote down a couple guys at Ole Miss that are now um, playing for the defense. And like one came from James Madison and not that that's not credible, but being able to put up those numbers at a place like Oregon, I think just makes that transition from into the SEC a little bit less painful um, because we've already seen him produce for that Um on that level. And so I just think that trying to fill in some of those holes for LSU that have been concerns in the past will help make them a more complete team. And then another guy that I wanted to reference, I think it's safe to assume Alabama is transitioning what they want to do on offense. And they're, they're going to be a lot more uh, ground attack focused and less quarterback central. You're going to, you're going to take my guys here. I'm going to go Jam Miller, sophomore running back, I yep. think he's emerged as the best one of the bunch. Now, I could be wrong just because they got so many options there, but that's the guy that I'm hearing in camp is is kind of emerged as the best running back of the bunch. Uh, he was not even the highest rated of, of several of the guys they have in that backfield. But 
you know, I th- that's another guy. I think if he emerges, you know, I'm certainly underrating Alabama, what they could be there. Who knows? Maybe the next Heisman winner from Alabama is in that backfield right now. And it, so I like Jam Miller. And then I got one more because I don't, I don't want to steal yours, well, Braden. No, no, mm-hmm. I, I actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him because I wrote down here mm-hmm. uh, Alabama running backs right there because I think it's a really underrated room. Mm-hmm. Justin's hate, Justice Haynes is a little banged up, but every time Saban talks about Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams, he always adds Jam Miller to the mix. And he's talked a lot about how good they are picking up the blitz. I think they're going to go back to that 2017-style Bama. I think Milrow's the starter, and if you're going to do that, you're going to turn around and give the ball to those dudes. I just think that running back room, because Gibbs took so much focus last year, I think that running back room is way better than people think. And that includes Miller and Haynes and Williams and 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 McClellan. I think they're all going to get a ton of touches. So I'm with you on Jam. I think that's a, I completely agree. I think Bama's running back room is really underrated. And, and then one other guy to uh, keep an eye on this fall. And again, I, I'm not suggesting this team's going to win the West because this guy's going to be an animal or anything like that. But if he can just make two or three game-defining plays in a marquee matchup against an Alabama, against an LSU, against a Georgia, perhaps Ole Miss can surprise some people. And I'm going uh, freshman linebacker Sunterine Perkins, outside linebacker, pass rusher here, great things about him. And I think he's a perfect fit for that Pete Golding defense. Now, he's not Will Anderson. There's not another Will Anderson in college football. But if he can kind of fill that role to a a small extent, maybe he can be the next Harold Perkins. That gives you some game-defining plays, particularly late in the season in in conference play. Sunterine Perkins, I I think he's he's poised to be a a big emerging uh, defender in the SEC. Uh, Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to – the other couple of guys that I wrote down were – both defensive players for Ole Miss. Cause I think that the, I know we've talked a lot about like who has a higher ceiling, but I think Ole Miss has, you know, with the coaching change, whether you, what do you, whatever you think about Hugh Freeze fair. Um, but we've seen what he can do in terms of turning teams around. So Jared Ivy and Isaac Ukwu, um, Isaac Ukwu came from in the transfer portal. I believe he's the one from James Madison that we were just talking about a minute ago. Um, 40 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss. He's just putting up huge numbers. Like people are worried if that's going to translate in the SEC. And we really won't know till he gets there. But um, there's a lot of hype around his arrival in Oxford. And I think that he'll be a great addition. And then Jared Ivey is, you know, we've seen him before. He's, you know, the I think number four in the five returning um, SEC defensive linemen. And he's just you know, his work in the backfield and just his pure amount of tackles. I think those two combined with what Mike just said, it's really going to put Ole Miss in a, in a good position to do some stuff different than they were able to do last year. <laughs> Justin Rogers <laughs> had to fill his, uh, feed his, fill bulldog. His, feed his bulldog. A lot of good names, by the way, in the comments, Ruben Owens is in there. Mason Taylor tight end at LSU yep. is in there. Uh, we had a bunch of guys mentioning, um, some of those A&M players. Again, there's Trojan Jeff Coates at, 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 at Texas or at uh, Arkansas. Uh, I, I want to, you know, you mentioned there's no Will Anderson. I think I could argue Harold Perkins is this year's Will Anderson. Let me ask you this. Does Mason Smith count as not being talked about as underrated? Because he's largely considered one of the best defensive linemen in the in the conference, but he didn't he was so hurt last year, he didn't play so much. It's almost as if Perkins gets more coverage. You know, you mentioned Spates. They've also got the transfer uh, in Wingo. Like I, I to me, Smith is the could be the guy that changes their entire defense if he can stay healthy and on the field for the entire season. That, that makes them one of the best defenses in the country and capable of going on the road and beating Alabama. 
but I think you need Mason Smith, who grades out so highly by NFL scouts, you need two A's in his name. So I, I think Smith is I think Smith is the guy. I, I think he's great. I, I don't know if he counts as underrated, though, because he's pretty well regarded. Yeah. Uh, again, again, I think the difficulty here is balancing talking to a really smart football audience that knows a lot of these names already versus if I went on ESPN and I said Mason Smith, no one have a clue what I'm talking about. Like it's just it's it's, it's a balancing act. So I'll throw Trevor Etienne out there as well at Florida. I think he's a really good player. Their tailback, uh, Travis's little brother. I think they actually have some nice weapons at Florida. It's a question of whether or not the quarterback can get the ball to him. Um, but I think Trevor Etienne's another one. I don't think that changes the outcome of the East, though. Uh, you know, it's it's. I don't think that's what takes place. Anybody else you guys want to throw out there? I think. I just love the again, I love the Mason Smith call out. I think like I've really enjoyed following like his journey. He's been had injuries, but there, there's a lot of talk. I don't know. You know, I kind of dig into sometimes the non X and O's parts of of the sport. And he was he's a team guy. Like uh, not only is you know is he going to be able to show up and do what he needs to do, but he was such a mentor to the other guys in his position group when he was not on the field. And I think that says a lot about like, he's not just there to show up and show out, which we've seen with LSU players from time to time. It's the same thing I talk about with Kentucky basketball. Like you've got all these huge recruits, but can you make them work together? And LSU's had that problem in the past. Like you got the talent, no question about it, but can they work together? And he is like a yeah. exemplary um, like example of that. Michael Williams at, uh, at, at Georgia is a perfect example. Like that's a dude that wasn't really a full-time starter last year is probably already well-known by everyone in the sec, but there's no way national college football fans know how good he is yet. Like he, I would argue he's underrated, but mm -hmm. again, he's a first team, all sec player. <laughs> mm -hmm. So like, how, about, how do you, uh, I got one more Noah Thomas receiver for Texas A&M. Yeah. They're yeah. loaded at receiver, but in these big time matches, when you're playing Alabama, when you're playing, who knows, a Georgia in an SEC championship, it's those are the players that have got to make a play or two, and I'm talking touchdown type plays, mm -hmm. if you're going to win the, in these marquee games because they're, you know, Alabama, Georgia, they're not going to let the uh, Evan Stewart, they're going to give them all the attention in the world, the Anaya Smith, the Moose Muhammad, they're going to be keyed in on those guys. So it's, it's yeah. someone else has to step up, make a play at the big time moments. I think Noah Thomas can be that for A&M. Yeah. And you have to, sometimes when you are A&M, even though they're as good as they are, you have to play from behind when you're playing teams like Alabama and Georgia, it's, they're not going to be up that whole game. So can you put points on the board quickly in a high stakes situation? And they're like receivers are a big part of doing that. Uh, yeah. Bre Barry and Brown at wide receiver at Kentucky. It's almost like uh, he's a guy that Mike, you and I have talked about a lot this summer. So a I lot think of all sec already guys, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, but like even even then though, like I've got Tyrone Hopper written down and Darius Robinson, a linebacker and defensive lineman from Missouri. That front seven is we've talked a lot about the front seven, but we don't mention the names a ton. But again, those guys are all SEC caliber players. But I would argue they're still a little underrated. Like I, they're still guys that don't get enough coverage for being as good as they really are. So that's right. Um, we treat that as a unit, and we really yeah. it, it is good habit to call those guys out because they definitely deserve it. And, and, and which of these players can actually change the course of a race in the division in West or East? And maybe the Missouri front seven is one of those. I, again, I think the Tennessee wide receiver core, because the two guys went pro and Tillman and Hyatt got all the coverage, I think the Tennessee receiving core is wildly underrated by everyone. SEC, nationally, I, I think they have four legit dudes that are going to put up numbers this year. Now, maybe they spread the ball around too much for anybody to be a Belenikoff winner. 
but I, I would, there's very few receiving cores I would trade if I was Tennessee for my guys. Well, I, I trust Alabama's uh, defensive backs to, you know, produce another Bolitnikoff winner for Tennessee. I really do. (laughs) You mentioned Caleb Downs. That's a, that's a good smart mention there. True freshman safety going to start. Probably they're going to have a, Alabama could have a true freshman left tackle and a true freshman safety uh, playing uh, this year for, for the tide. So we shall see Uh, Tresman Marshall, at Bama, Lad McConkie, I agree, is a little underrated for sure. Again, second team all SEC, but I still think he's underrated. Um, but a lot of great names in the comment section there. You guys did a great job with that. We do appreciate it. Okay. Love it. When we come back next week, now I know that SEC podcast, you guys are going to have a ton of episodes leading up to this weekend. Uh, you guys will be live, of course, Sunday with Cousin Shane. Um, you can catch this episode in podcast form, of course, on the podcast feed. Just search SEC Football Live anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, but when we convene next week, Official final SEC championship predictions and football games. <laughs> a whole lot of football games. We get to react to a football game and we get to talk about football games. <laughs> talking fun. season, talking season is done. It's done. It's over. Vanderbilt better win or I may not show up. I'll be so disappointed. Same. Retweet. <laughs> repost re, re, re x whatever the fuck it's called Re-X. uh thank you guys all for hanging out we do appreciate you guys uh aaron at the aaron dugan on twitter aaron underscore dugan on instagram of course you guys know mike you can get him everywhere across all the platforms uh and we do appreciate all you guys for hanging out in the comments uh much much appreciated makes it a lot more fun to hang out so even if you're talking shit to me i'm fine with it it's <laughs> it's what we're it's what we're here for uh for mike and aaron i am Braden. thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you next tuesday this has been sec football live All attentions get attention. Now push the button, Mike.